Welcome back to Attorney Time, the legal podcast for the business-minded, hosted by attorneys at the law firm Holly Troxel. Attorney Time brings legal expertise to you. In each episode, Holly Troxel's team of experienced attorneys will cover a broad range of legal topics, from intellectual property and patents to tips for startup companies. Paula Kluckstall is a partner at Holly Troxel and co-chair of the firm's banking practice group. Paula represents a wide variety of lenders and borrowers in the documentation and due diligence necessary for securitized lending compliance with Idaho's commercial lending regulations, loan documentation, and collection. Gwen Thompson is a senior associate at Holly Troxel and has over 20 years of experience as a commercial loan officer and brings her knowledge of the banking industry and commercial real estate to her practice at Holly Troxel. Both Paula and Gwen are members of the Idaho Women Lawyers and are award recipients of the Women's and Children's Alliance Tribute to Women in Industry Award. Hello, welcome to Attorney Time with Holly Troxel. My name is Paula Kluckstall. I'm a partner with the law firm of Holly Troxel, Ennis and Holly. I co-chair the firm's banking practice group and chair the firm's real estate practice group. With me here today, I have an attorney with Holly Troxel, Gwen Thompson. Hello. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about wire transfer fraud and fraudulent cashier's checks. This issue has become an increasing problem, especially in light of COVID and as our world becomes more and more virtual. Since 2015, wire transfer fraud and fraudulent cashier's checks has increased by 65%. Um, Here at Holly Troxel, we've seen many examples of people who have been the victim of wire transfer and fraudulent cashier's check fraud. We've had issues where perhaps somebody receives a cashier's check from somebody, deposits that with a um, banking um, institution, then wires the money perhaps overseas to a third party, and then it's determined that the cashier's check was actually fraudulent and were unable to get the wired funds back. Even had situations where we were able to contact the receipt, uh, receiving bank who received the funds, held the funds, but then subsequently released the funds since um, the overseas banking institutions aren't subject to the jurisdiction of the FBI. That's really um, something that happens a lot and not a lot that the U.S. government can do about it absent it being a significant sum of money. Um, Wire transfer fraud and fraudulent checks, fraudulent cashier's checks is a crime. Yes, Paula, wire fraud is a federal offense. Um, It is based on a law that was passed in 1952, more or less extending the mail fraud law that had already been in place. Uh, Wire fraud is a scheme to defraud with intent where the perpetrator is making materially false representations and transmission by wire, radio, TV, through interstate or foreign commerce. Um, It is a felony with um, penalties up to 20 years in federal prison and if the victim is a financial institution that penalty is increased to up to 30 years. Uh, Fraudulent check are also a state or a state crime um, unless wire fraud is implicated. Um, They do vary from state to state, but the laws usually um, are covering everything from counterfeiting a check to forging a signature 
or to even passing checks knowing there are insufficient funds to cover them. Um, the penalty usually will depend on the amount of the check and can range from being a misdemeanor to a felony. They do tend to be tied together because um, wire or fraudulent counterfeit checks are often used in wire fraud schemes. Yeah, exactly. And interestingly, Gwen, we were just talking the other day about how we're seeing um, check fraud occur more and more on younger people. Yes, it seems to be that the um, younger adults are not as accustomed to working with checks or writing checks and depositing checks as older citizens. And they're also more used to dealing online with people that they may not know personally, which is kind of a change from the older generations. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, with you know COVID and becoming more of a virtual world, a virtual society, these schemes have increased. And today we thought we would discuss some of these schemes and how they come up. Um, one example that's happening to a lot of people is people will sell a good on, on a virtual website. Um, there's lots of virtual websites out there and they'll sell a good. And that person selling the good will be contacted by somebody who wants to purchase their good or their service. And um, they will bring a cashier's check and the good will be delivered. Um, bill of sale, you know, if it's a vehicle, you, you sign the title over, you take what you believe to be a legitimate cashier's check down to the bank and even though a cashier's check seems immediate, it should not be mistaken as cash. It is still not cash. It is a check. It still takes a few days to clear through the financial institution. And then when that check is deemed to be fraudulent, the person who sold their goods can no longer find that person and are out their goods and left with no cash. In a related scam, we can also see where um, someone delivers that check for more than the amount of the good and then asks the seller to wire the difference back to them um, as a mistake. And by doing that, not only can you lose the good you're trying to sell, you have then lost the additional money because you've just wired money back to this criminal. Yeah, exactly. We also are seeing it in, you know, even professional settings where um, a professional is asked to basically wire money to a third party. Say it's a client. It's a client that they don't really know very well, um, became a client very quickly, you know, reached out to them, said, hey, I just reached this agreement with this other party or I'm going to you know, purchase this um, piece of large equipment from a third party, but I need to wire the money to you. I'm going to wire more than the amount of the deal. You keep your amount out. You wire the excess to the third party. Oftentimes, these transactions um, require that the third party um, transfer be to a institution outside of the United States. When you wire the money out, then the, the cashier's check that you took down for the money with the excess is deemed fraudulent. You now have wired out 
extra money and not only do you not get paid for your services but you are potentially liable for the entire sum plus fees and costs of what you wired to the third party. These crooks are, are very clever. Um, another scam that seems to come up is in terms of employment where uh, the victim will be offered a job as a mystery shopper or a transfer agent. Again, the crook will send a cashier's check, have the victim deposit that money, and then pull their own cash out to go shop um, somewhere or act as a money transfer agent. Again, once that check is deemed fraudulent, the victim's account is the one responsible for, for that amount of money that's gone. And Gwen, you were even saying you had read about the other day a scam with respect to buying signs for vehicles that's going around? That was unique. So they, um, the crook will have um, hire someone, in quotes, to put a decal on the side of their car as an advertisement. Again, they'll, wire, or they'll send a cashier's check that the individual puts in their account, and then the victim is instructed to wire money to the decal manufacturer, um, who of course doesn't exist and is part of the fraudulent scheme. So they are very clever. Um, it is important to be quite cautious when getting opportunities like this. Um, they may not be legitimate. Yeah. And then another one we're seeing a lot are foreign lotteries. Somebody gets um, a, a cashier's check in the mail that they've, they've won a lottery or something, and they have to pay certain fees and costs before they can get this big windfall that has been bestowed upon them. And this cashier's check is to cover their the fees and costs they have to pay to reimburse them, but they have to pay the fees and costs first. And so the person, you know, believes this, goes down, pays these fees and costs, you know, wires this money or just transfers this money online, and then the cashier's check is fraudulent and they're out the, that money. Um, so lots and lots of scams out there, unfortunately. Um, but even the most diligent person can get caught up in this. So it is good to be diligent and to check. So um, we were going to discuss t some, day some ways today in which to try to avoid being the victim of fraudulent wire transfers or fraudulent cashier's check. One of the real important things to do is to inspect the cashier's check when you get when you receive it. Again, like we said before, it's important to know a cashier's check, although you know we believe it to be very secure and a good way to transact business, it still is not cash and you have to treat it like it's not cash. So you should actually inspect the check to determine if you to see if you can determine if the check is legit or fraudulent. So one of the first things you should do is you should check the bank's name on the check and make sure that it's a legit financial institution. The FDIC has a website, bank 
find where you can go and you can check the names of the various financial institutions. You should check the name on the check letter for letter against what you believe the legitimate um, banking institution name to be. What are some other things we could do, Gwen? Um, along that same line, there will be a bank routing code on that check. And it's good to make sure that that routing code does indeed match the name of the bank on the check. Um, that's one of the common errors that can come up, or that those that number does not match the bank. Yeah. And every single cashier's check would have a phone number of the financial institution on which it was drawn. So it would be a good idea to, you know, search either, you know, in a phone book or on Google, the phone number of the financial institution, make sure it matches the phone number that's actually on the check. Then you should call that financial institution off the phone number that you found on the web, not the phone number you got off the check. And you can verify that the routing number is correct, like Gwen was saying, and you can verify that the check is legitimate. They'll need to know the check number, the issuance date, and the amount. But if you call them, they should be able to verify that for you. There are a few other things that you can do if you, if you um, have the opportunity to inspect the check. Mm -hmm. uh, the cashier's checks will also have watermarks, security threads, other security measures in the actual paper that they're printed on. And even though technology has improved quite a bit, um, often those forged checks don't necessarily have those features or aren't quite as clear. Um, they may be a bit um, muddled. So that's another, another sign that perhaps you're dealing with something that isn't quite what it should be. Yeah. And on a legitimate cashier's check, the payee name that should be the recipient of the check should be you probably but the payee name will always be printed on the check by the bank it will never be handwritten in um, if you have a cashier's check where the payee name is handwritten in that's not a legitimate cashier's check from the bank and then we can always check the office of the comptroller of currency it has a website where it f lists frequent um, scams that are going on and um, companies that have been reported and you can always check there to see if there's anything on there that matches what you believe is going on with you. Um, yeah, and the amount of the check, Gwen, we should check the amount of the check. Absolutely. Again, one of the, the big scams is that that check would be for more than the purchase price of your goods or the per this price of your services where the um, scammer is trying to get you to return the difference to them, which of course doesn't really exist. Yeah. So a, a lot of these are, are common sense as well um, to, to really think through why did you receive this check? Yeah. Um, and why did you receive it from this particular individual? Exactly, and you know, one thing that you can do to check your gut is if the cashier's check is written on a bank, check the address of that bank against the address 
the postmark address on the envelope if you received the check in the mail to make sure that they match. Um, and, you know, we're talking a lot about, about checks and they often go hand in hand with wire transfer fraud because oftentimes the cashier's check is delivered to you and then you are asked to wire out funds. So oftentimes they're hand in hand. So it is very, very important to, to know and to keep in mind that um, available funds are very different from collected funds. So banks by law are required to make funds available within a certain time frame. Um, it's typically a day with cashier's checks, although there are exceptions to that if it's over a certain amount or if, if there are reasons for the, for the financial institution to believe that they need to check on this check. But the, the policy behind it is that the person depositing the check needs these funds. And so um, banks are legally required to make the funds available before the checks clear. So even if they're available funds, that's very different legally from collected funds. The funds are not deemed collected until the check has actually cleared. And the big issue here is that oftentimes the um, the customer the the payee on the check is financially responsible for the funds if the funds were wired out at available funds but had not been collected exactly the uniform commercial code um, allows the bank to charge back the amounts of checks that are later returned even if the customers have used their funds and typically the bank's written agreements when you open those accounts um, also disclose this information to the customers. It's something to keep in mind. Most definitely. And in addition to inspecting the checks, this goes on what we were just discussing about available versus collected funds. Um, do not ever wire money to somebody you do not know. Do not wire money to a stranger. Do not act as a third party agent um, unless you have 100% verified that those funds are collected. You have agreements in place that you feel comfortable with. Perhaps you've had them reviewed by counsel and you've done your, your due diligence, your research into people that you are sending money to. And just a note, Foreign lotteries are illegal. If someone sends you a windfall from such a thing, it is, it is not real. Exactly, exactly. Now, what if you find yourself a victim of wire transfer fr fraud or fraudulent cashier's check? What should you do? It's very important to report it. It may be embarrassing, but only through reporting it can um, these individuals get caught and be stopped and other people not become victims. Yeah, and on top of that, you should immediately call the bank where you deposited the check. Um, that bank may have the ability, if you wired funds out, to stop the wire. Um, wires move pretty quickly so unfortunately, um, if it's not caught right away, that probably won't be the case, but sometimes they are able to catch the wire. Like I said previously, we have had in 
instances where the receiving bank still had the funds and that receiving bank was able to hold the funds. We've also had instances where the receiving banks were in foreign countries and the funds were released um, and we didn't don't really have a lot of, we can do about that because we don't have jurisdiction over those banks. What are some of the places other than the bank where you deposited your check that you should call? Probably the state attorney general's office is a good place to start. Absolutely. You can also um, contact the um, FBI. They, they're in charge of um, wire transfer if it's across interstate or even international. The Federal Trade Commission is also a good. Yeah, absolutely. And you can even call the financial institution that issued the check and see if they're able to find out any information as to who they issued the check to, if mm -hmm. they indeed did issue the check. Obviously, mm -hmm. sometimes you don't have an issuing mm -hmm. bank. True. It's good, too, that if the scam occurred through an internet site, to let that site know. So perhaps they can block those activities um, going forward from, from those scammers. Absolutely. And then on top of this, I think the last um, bit of advice that I would give is to read your agreements with your financial institution. Um, the, the banks have the responsibility to make the funds available, but you might be responsible if, if they're not collected funds and they're charged back. This is allowed usually by state law, by federal regulation, and pursuant to the written agreement. So when you do a wire transfer, you do sign agreements with financial institutions that have often have language in there that requires you to certify that you consent to the wire and that you will be responsible for any fees charged back. So thank you for listening today. We appreciate your time. We hope that this was helpful and we hope you tune in again.